Isn't that a beautiful song by Taylor today? You know, it's convicting, but it's true. The Lord is the cleanser of the mess I've made. We made a mess of our lives, and it had to take Jesus Christ to come down to this world and die on the cross for us to clean it up. And there's a new sheriff in town, a new Lord of our life. He's in charge now, and he takes our life and makes it something beautiful, something useful, something profitable. And thank you, Taylor, for that beautiful song. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we're thankful that you've saved us. You've given us eternal life through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray if there's anyone here this morning that does not know you in a personal way, that today will be the day of their salvation. We pray that you'll bring us encouragement from your word today. Speak to our hearts. Please hide me behind the cross, Lord. And we pray that the words that are shared will be from you and will touch lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we just commit this time to you and pray that you will teach us, you will convict us, you will encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, one of my favorite presidents is Abraham Lincoln, and I bet if I ask in an audience of this size, I think a lot of you would agree to that. And he was on the scene of our country in some very troublous times during the Civil War. He went through a lot. And during his administration, Abraham Lincoln was under fire during the scarring years of the Civil War. And though he knew he would make errors in office, we are all human and we, we do that, he had it as his conviction to be a man of integrity. So strong was his resolve that he once said, I desire to conduct the affairs of this administration, that if at the end, when I lay down the reins of power, I have lost every other friend on earth. I shall at least have one friend left, and that friend shall be down deep inside of me. He met his conscience. We don't hear very much said today, do we, about conscience. We don't see it among our political leaders. We don't see it among the elites of society or in, in sports or other areas of life. People don't talk about conscience anymore. People don't listen to their conscience anymore. And we as Christians need to allow God to speak down deep to us in our conscience what he wants us to do, how he wants us to live, how he wants us to conduct ourselves in this world. So many people today, just as a matter of course, violate their conscience. They lie, they cheat, they steal, all with a motive. Oh, I have to do it to get ahead. I have to put food on my table, don't I, for my family? I have to do this and I have to do that. It's trying to justify ourselves. God gave us a conscience to listen to that still small voice that he can speak to us on what we should do, what is right and what is wrong. The lines are blurred today. People talk about gray areas. Oh, it's not too bad. It's it's okay, everybody's doing it. No, if the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. If the Bible says it's right, it's right. But the world has it opposite. The Bible calls evil, evil. But nowadays people call evil, good, and good, evil. It's a sad society we're living in today. Someone once said, once you start to assuage your conscience by calling something a necessary evil, soon it becomes more and more necessary 
and less and less evil, a necessary evil. That's what's happening in our society today. The title of our message today is Maintaining a Good Conscience. Maintaining a Good Conscience. You know, the word conscience is defined as a sense of right or wrong with a compulsion to do right. Moral judgment that opposes the violation of a previously recognized ethical principle and that lends to feelings of guilt if one violates that principle. People are going around today doing things with no conscience. You see people murdering people, no conscience. You see people taking advantage of other people, no conscience about it. They take advantage of the elderly. They take advantage of the young. They discriminate and hurt people. And we as Christians need to rise above the societal values and have the good values of God's word and God's truth in our lives. The question is, everybody has a conscience. The question is, are you listening to your conscience? Am I listening to my conscience? When God speaks to me in his still small voice, am I taking heed to it? Or am I just sloughing it off and going about my own way and doing it the way I want to do it anyway? May God help us to follow his word. Our text today is found in Acts chapter 24 and verse 16 where Paul is speaking before the authorities there. And he is uh, witnessing to them and he is telling them these things. And in Acts chapter 24 and verse 16, he says this, This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and toward men. Now you notice when you have a good conscience, when you have a conscience that's without offense, a blameless one, it's both before God and before men. The standard is high there that we have to maintain. And may God help us to do so. I like what it says in the Amplified Bible. It says it this way. Therefore, I always exercise and discipline myself, mortifying my body, deadening my carnal affections, bodily appetites, and worldly desires, endeavoring in all respects to have a clear, unshaken, blameless conscience, void of offense toward God and toward men. Today we're going to look at two things, just two points today. Number one, a good conscience. And number two, a pure conscience. Both of these are mentioned, especially in the New Testament. And we're going to look at some of the verses and see how God applies it to our lives today. You know, a good conscience really comes down to two things. Number one, it's not doing the wrong, but it's also, on the other hand, doing the right. It's not just not speaking what is bad or wrong, but it's speaking what is right. It's not just saying, well, this is evil, but it's also standing against that evil and standing for the truth and for righteousness, and that's what God wants us to do. And the Holy Spirit can speak to our hearts, but we have to listen. We have to be convicted, and we have to take advantage of that when God convicts us. I like what Mike Souza said. He says, I like to be convicted. He told Adel that before, and it's true. And we should want to be convicted. Because if we do something wrong, we want to be convicted to do what is right and to change our behavior and to repent and forsake it. And that's what God wants us to do. There's going to be times we're going to fail. 
There's going to be times we're going to say something wrong, do something wrong. We've got to ask God to forgive us immediately. And if we've wronged somebody else, we need to go to them and ask them to forgive us as well. And God uses things in our life to get our attention. He uses counsel. He uses his word. He uses circumstances to get our attention. And when God speaks to us, he speaks to us clearly. So he says to me, he says, Dean, don't do it. Now, if I don't listen to it, God's word the next time is going to be a little softer. He's going to say, Dean, don't do it. But see, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I'm still doing it my own way, going my own way. So that voice gets a little softer in that conscience. It says, Dean, don't do it. And pretty soon, if we don't heed that, God's voice is so still and so small. And if we don't listen to our conscience, and we don't listen to what God shows us to do, God will have to bring severe, not just some circumstance, he'll bring severe circumstances that'll get us to the place where we'll see it's wrong and we'll change our behavior. And that's what he wants us to do. I love what it says in Proverbs 28 and verses 13 and 14, where it says, he who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. We can either listen to God and do what he wants us to do, or it says we're going to fall into calamity. And that's why Christians can have some tremendous calamities and tragedies happening many times because they are not listening to what the Lord wants them to do. So he has to bring things to get our attention. 1 Timothy 1 verse 5 says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart and from a good conscience and from a sincere faith. That's how he wants us to be. He wants us to have a, a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. That's the goal we should have when we study the word of God and when we obey it. There's a story told of a police sergeant. His name is Sergeant Ray Bias, Bars, I should say, B-A-A-R-Z. And he was a sergeant in the Midvale, Utah, police department. Well, he used to go out and he used to give people tickets, right, for violating the law and everything. Well, one day he opened up his wallet. And he was looking at his wallet and he opened it up. And like me, I have my driver's license in my wallet. You probably do too, right there where you can be seen because sometimes you have to show ID and you have to show your wallet. So he got it out and maybe he was doing that. And he looked at it and he says, wait a minute, my driver's license is expired. Uh-oh, uh-oh, what am I going to do? Now, it'd be very easy to justify himself. He says, well, I'm a police officer. I've been busy out on the beat and all these kinds of things. And I'll get to it. I'll take care of it. But you know what he did? He didn't justify himself. He listened to his conscience. And he got out his ticket book. And you know what he did? He wrote himself a ticket. He wrote himself a ticket for violating the law, for having an expired license. And of course, he was driving, right? So he was guilty of driving with an expired license. So he took the ticket, and he went to the judge, and he admitted that he is wrong, and he was driving with an expired license. And the judge fined him $5. It was probably a long time ago, because that'd be a small fine. But he fined him $5, and he paid the fine. He said, how could I go out and give people a ticket for having an expired license when I myself have an expired license. That's what you call 
listening to your conscience. And that's so important today. You know, our conscience is the moral compass to help us and to guide us through. When we listen to the Word of God, it will lead us in the right way, and we need to listen to it. In 1 Timothy 1, verse 19, it says, Having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck. We talk about calamity. We talk about shipwreck. That's talking about your spiritual life will be shipwrecked. You'll have calamity if you don't listen to God and follow His ways. A man named C.F.H. Henry once said, The glory of a good person is the testimony of a good conscience. A good conscience is able to bear very well much adversities with cheerfulness. An evil conscience is always fearful and unquiet. He says, never rejoice except when you have done well. You shall rest sweetly if your heart does not accuse you. Now, we've always said, if you go to bed at night, and you want to put your head down on the pillow, the best sleeping aid for you is not Somonex or some of these other sleep re remedies, or they have even melatonin or whatever it is, which is a natural one. But the best sleep remedy you can have, right, is a good conscience. A good conscience, a clear conscience, will allow you to put your head down on the pillow at night and go to sleep. And if there's something that you did that day that you shouldn't have said, you shouldn't have done, and God brings it to your mind, immediately confess it so that you can have a clear conscience and go to sleep and thank God for that day. That's what he wants us to do. One person uh, came up, I read this quote, it's, it's funny, it'll make you laugh, but it said, she won't listen to her conscience, she doesn't want to take advice from a total stranger. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes our conscience can seem like a, a total stranger because we failed to listen to it for so long. Who are you, right? Well, the story is told that since 1811, get this, 1811, long time ago, someone once defrauded the government and anonymously sent in $5 to Washington, D.C. Since then, the U.S. Treasury has maintained what they call a conscience fund. Since that time, Almost three and a half billion, million, I should say, not billion, but three and a half million dollars has been received from guilt-ridden citizens. Amazing, but true. Isn't it amazing? People get bothered by their conscience because they're doing something that is not right, or they're not doing something that they know they should do that is right. James chapter 4 and verse 17 is even maybe more convicting than many other verses because it says this, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is wrong. No. It is sin. It is sin. If we know we're supposed to do right, we know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be, do good and right, and we don't do it. The Bible says that is sin. So it's sin to do wrong, but it's also sin not to do right. And that's the, the two things that are involved with our conscience. And one of the worst things that can happen to us is if we fail to listen to our conscience when God speaks to us, we will be not doing the right thing, and people can rightly call us hypocrites, right? They can call us hypocrites because you say you believe this, you say you do this, but then look what you did. Look what you said. And so we are on people's 
radar. People watch us every day uh, when we go to work, when we go to school, in our neighborhoods. People want to see, is this person really a Christian? If they're really a Christian, I'm going to watch their life. I'm going to see if it makes a difference in their life. And we can thank God that Jesus makes the difference in our life. It's not in us. It's not because we're good. It's because he changed our life. He saved us from our sin. He gave us eternal life, and he's given us a new life in him. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 18, Paul is saying, or whoever wrote Hebrews, I believe Paul, but says, pray for us that we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. So Paul is saying in this text we read this morning, he says that we might have a conscience that is without offense both before God and before men. I like what it says in the New Living Translation, NLT. It says, because of this, I always maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. Did you notice that little word all there? Before all people. That's the tough part, before all people. God sees everything. He hears everything. But sometimes we can fool other people, and they don't really know what's going on on the inside of us. But God wants us to have that good conscience, that clear conscience before others. Every day we get up in the morning, right? You look yourself in the mirror. When you have a clear conscience, when you have a good conscience, you can look at that person on the other side of that mirror, in the mirror, and, and you can do it. But when you are doing wrong and you haven't confessed it to the Lord, the Lord is going to keep convicting you until you come back and, and confess it. The story is told of a man named Edwin. We don't have any Edwins here, but this is a man named Edwin who had just bought a new car. And in this new car, it had a voice warning system in it. And of course, Edwin was first to, uh, amused to hear this, this nice female voice, right, that came through and reminded him that his seatbelt wasn't fastened. Your seatbelt is not fastened. Thank you very much. Thank you for reminding me of that. He soon discovered that this was such a, a nice voice that he called this voice the little woman. The little woman. And soon he discovered his little woman was programmed to warn him about his fuel level. This is good. Your fuel level is low, she said in a nice voice. Edwin nodded and thanked her, but he kept on driving. He thought to himself, I've got plenty of miles here. I still can drive probably another 50 miles before I run out of gas. So he didn't listen. A little bit later, she interrupts him again and says, your fuel level is low. He again doesn't listen. So a little bit later, she reminds him again, your fuel level is a little low. And though Edwin knew that the recording was the same, he saw, thought that the voice sounded harsher each time the little woman spoke to him, right? <laughs> Finally, he got out of his car, crawled under the dashboard, found the wires connecting the little woman, and gave it a good yank. Got back in his car, started driving down the road, smiling, happy. All of a sudden, the star car starts coughing and sputtering, and sure enough, he ran out of gas. Somewhere inside the dashboard, Edmund was sure he could hear the little woman laughing. <laughs> it's a funny story, but when you don't listen to God and you don't listen to your conscience where God can speak to you, 
this is where, where you end up. And it's going to be a lot worse than just running out of gas. There's going to be a lot worse if we don't listen to the Lord through our conscience. People like Edwin learn before long that the little voice inside, if ignored or even disconnected, often tells us exactly what we need to hear. One man went into his doctor and he said this. He says, Doc, I've been misbehaving. Could you please help me? My conscience is troubling me. So the doctor said, sure. And you want me to give you something that will strengthen your willpower? And the man says, well, no, I was thinking you could give me something to weaken my conscience. <laughs> you know, it's really easy to do that nowadays. There's a lot of things that will weaken our conscience. There's a lot of things that will numb our conscience, that numbs it. And things like drugs, things like alcohol, things like illicit sex, things like pornography, things like bad TV shows and bad movies and things like this. And they can numb your conscience. And for those that don't know the Lord, it can numb your conscience right down to hell. And so God wants to save us. He wants to change us. He wants us to listen to his voice and not numb our conscience. Secondly, we not only have to have a good conscience, but we also have to have a pure conscience. And that's an even higher standard. And as we know, the Bible has the highest standards there are because they're God's standards. And as the world's standards get lower and lower, God's standards remain high, and he wants us to follow them. You know, it's a high standard to be an elder in the church. It's a high standard to be a deacon in the church. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, when Paul was writing, to Timothy about appointing elders and the qualifications that they need to have uh, for eldership, he said this, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers. You know, it's important to have not only a good conscience, but a pure conscience. You know, when your conscience is good and your conscience is pure, you have a sensitivity to sin. And if you do even something little that's wrong, it convicts you right away, and you want to change it. But if you don't listen to your conscience, and you don't listen to what the Word speaks to you, then you become, as we said, numb to it, and then pretty soon, it, you're not sensitive at all, and you don't see it. Oh, you can see it fine in others. Oh, yeah, this message is great for this person. This message is great for that person. Great, great. Dean, keep preaching it. It's good for my wife. It's good for my kids. It's good for my friends, my brother, my cousin. Yeah. But what we have to do is say, yes, it is, but it's for me. It's for me. And when I speak this message, it comes back because as you point one finger out, the other three are coming back at you here. And that's why I always preach it to myself first because that is what is really needed in our lives. And purity comes from within and then goes to the outward. We can't justify ourselves and think we can get away with it when we can't. In 1 Corinthians 11.31 it says, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And that's exactly what Sergeant Bars did when he went and judged himself and gave himself a ticket. He judged himself rightly. But so many times we're good at judging others, but we're not good about judging ourselves. One day, David was in his palace. Just like any ordinary day, he'd been suffering spiritually, 
He had been suffering physically. He had been suffering mentally. And he'd been suffering emotionally. Why? Because he committed a double sin. Adultery with Bathsheba and murder of her husband Uriah. He hadn't got right with God. He had let this matter go by. He had swept it under the carpet and tried to maintain his position as ruler over Israel, thinking, nobody knows. Nobody knows about this. Maybe myself and a few of my closest advisors know, but nobody else. But God knew. And God sent a prophet to him that, that day. His name was Nathan. And God sent Nathan the prophet to him that day. And he didn't just come to him and say, David, you and I got to talk. I only got a minute here, but you committed adultery and you committed murder and you're guilty and you better get down on your knees right now and confess it and get right with God. He didn't do it that way. God sent him in a very wonderful way to use a story. A story about a poor man with a little lamb and a rich man who lived next door. And the poor man that owned the little lamb, he loved that one little lamb. It was all he had was that one little lamb. It was like a pet to him. The kids loved him. His wife loved the lamb. He loved the lamb. And it would used to come in and be with him in the house just like we'd have a cat or a dog. That little lamb was like a pet, close, like a family member. And one day the rich man had an out-of-town guest came late at night. And so instead of going out to his own flocks, and he had many himself, he was very rich, he went next door to the poor man and took that poor man's one lamb and slaughtered it and made a meal for that out-of-town guest. Well, as David is listening to this story, he's getting more and more angry, and he says, how dare that man do that? That is totally wrong. That is..." And then Nathan points the finger at him and says, you're the man. You're the man. And that's what God does, and if we don't listen... He brings something severe. He brings something circumstances like this into his life, and that's what he did. And when David got down on his knees and asked God to forgive him, we see that in the 51st uh, of Psalm, Psalm 51, where he confesses it to the Lord, and he had a broken and contrite heart, and he asked for God's forgiveness, and God was merciful, forgave him, didn't give him the penalty which he should have had for adultery and murder, the penalty should have been death, but God by his mercy forgave him. David continued on as the king, and he learned the lesson of his life. You have to listen to your conscience. You have to listen to God. You can't justify it. You can't tune it out. You can't deaden it. You can't disconnect it. You have to follow the word. So as we conclude the message today, let's remember what we've learned today, that God wants us to maintain a good conscience, both before God and before men. We have to keep short accounts with the Lord, and if we've done something wrong, we have to confess it, forsake it, and turn away from it. God loves a broken and a contrite heart. And if we don't heed our conscience, God will speak to us, and his voice will go softer and softer, but he'll bring harsher and harsher actions that we have to have because he wants us to take heed. And before we conclude the message today, I have a poem to read. And the title of the poem is Myself. That's the name of the poem. And you're going to find that the word myself is used not once, not twice, but 11 times in this poem. Let's close our eyes and listen to these words and see. It can really be a blessing. 
I have to live with myself, and so I want to be fit for myself to know. I want to be able, as time goes by, always to look myself in the eye. I don't want to stand with the setting sun and hate myself for the things I've done. I don't want to keep on the closet shelf a lot of secrets about myself and fool myself as I come and go into thinking that nobody else will know. The kind of man I really am, I don't want to dress up myself in sham. I don't want to go, I want to go out with my head erect. I want to deserve all men's respect. But here in the struggle for fame and pelf, I want to be able to like myself. I don't want to look at myself and know that I'm all bluster and bluff, empty show. I can never hide myself from me. I see what others may never see. I know what others may never know. I never can fool myself, and so whatever happens, I want to be self-respecting and conscience-free. May God speak to our hearts today. And if you're here today and you know, know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Lord knows right into your heart. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're doing. He knows where you're at in your life right now today. He knows your sins. He knows the things you've committed. He knows the things you feel guilty about. And he wants to forgive you today. He wants to wipe the slate clean. He wants to give you a clear conscience, a new life. He wants to make you his child. And he wants to do it today. Don't put it off. Today is the day you have to come and confess your sins to him and say, Lord, I have made a mess of my life. I have blown it. I have sinned. And I need you, Lord. Please forgive me. Please cleanse me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I accept him as my Savior. And if you pray that prayer, he'll come into your heart right today. And he'll give you a new life. And he will give you joy in your heart that you've never had before. Peace that you've never known before. A love that you've never had from anybody else before. And that's only what God can do. And those who know the Lord Jesus Christ today, may we... May we walk close to the Lord. May we be so close that we can hear the palpitations of his heartbeat. Remember, John the Apostle used to lean upon Jesus' breast and he could hear Jesus' heartbeat. That's how close the Lord wants us to be with him. He doesn't want us to be distant. He doesn't want to, to be an acquaintance of ours. He wants to be best friends with us. He wants to be intimate with us and love us and listen to our concerns and to our prayers and Feel with us in all that we go through. May the Lord help us to maintain a good conscience before God and before men. Shall we pray? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that brings it alive to our hearts. Please help us, Lord, to maintain a good conscience before you and before men. Lord, help us to be real, to be honest, to be sincere, and to live before others with the joy of the Lord in our lives. We just pray, Lord, that our standards will be high according to your word, that we won't justify ourselves or sweep things under the carpet or try to say, well, it's not that bad. But Lord, help us to live that which is good, to do what is good, and to stand for the truth, to know right from wrong and to do it, to do right and not to do wrong. Lord, we just praise you and thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.